Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. So why watch that TV talk? Oh, we've got another TV talk for you, listeners. Ha <laughs> We've got some series premieres. We've got season premieres. And a lot to talk about. So let's dive right in. CW is coming at us with a new show called In the Dark. Ooh, ooh. Sounds chilling. But is it? Is it? Oh, <laughs> oh I didn't know you were tossing it to me. I said, but is it? <laughs> Listeners, you should you should have seen his face. He's just smiling off at it. Well, maybe that pause tells the story. Now look. Okay, I'll, I'll play it off. <laughs> Murphy likes to have sex. Mm-hmm. And her form of birth control is the morning after pill. Oh, this is the CW? Uh-huh, yep. She also says and does whatever she wants. And her roommate worries about her even when she provokes her roommate's annoyance. Her par- parents, they worry about her too. And her parents are her reluctant employers. I mean, it's not like she's the kind of person to actually do work at work. Get real. Now, you might be thinking, how does she get away with all of this? Well, she gets away with it because she's blind. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the reason why it's called In the Dark. Gotcha. Now, you might also be thinking, okay, what happened to her to cause this kind of behavior? Well, I won't give that away, but I will say that it has something to do with a friend of hers named Tyson. And just so you know, Tyson's a 17-year-old drug dealer with a heart of gold. What? And so when Murphy finds Tyson's dead body in the alley where they typically have nice little chats while she smokes in the dark of night, she's distraught. However, just as two cops finish questioning her about Tyson, they found out they find out that uh, their colleagues were unable to find Tyson's body in the alley. Mm. And given Murphy's drunken state and lack of vision, they suspect that she was simply mistaken about what she found in that alley. But Murphy knows that it was Tyson, so she decides to conduct an investigation of her own with the help of her roommate, her guide dog Pretzel, and whoever else into what happened. And of course, that will lead to all kinds of twists and turns and dangerous situations. Now look, it's obvious that In the Dark is the CW's attempt to appeal to younger millennials and older Gen Zers via a somewhat irreverent yet still serious twist on the crime procedural. And I think for some in that audience, if they can ignore the forced characterizations, especially in regard to the main character who can be quite difficult to like, and the writing and so on, then this show should be a fine watch. Even still, for them and for everyone else, the question will be, this is in the dark, 
twisty enough to keep your eyes from rolling. And to find that out, I guess you'll just have to watch it if you're interested. Okay, I don't know what I just heard, but mm -hmm. I'm going to move on to Unspeakable, which is a mini-series, mini-series on Sundance TV. Mm. Um, this is, I don't know much about it. I do enjoy what's on Sundance, um, but we do know that it comes late at night. I don't know what is happening here. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my gosh, Critic, where are we going? <laughs> yeah, yeah, look. So it's going to air across four weeks, and it airs back-to-back -back Fridays and Saturdays uh, at midnight. Ooh. Now, it's based on true stories and on two books, and it starts in Canada in 2015 when a journalist addresses a conference about treating blood diseases such as hepatitis and HIV. And to focus his audience's attention on a past tragedy that rocked the Canadian Red Cross's blood banks and for which he believes he shares some of the blame, he tells them a very personal story, taking them and us back to the 1960s when he and his wife discovered that their baby was a hemophiliac. Then we move forward to the 1980s and we see that the baby is now a teenager and we're introduced to other kids and adults who have hemophilia and the families who love them. In addition, we find out that at the time, science was on the brink of discovering that AIDS can be transmitted via blood. Oh, yeah. Now, this has alarming ramifications for hemophiliacs because a new drug for the disease is being culled from up to 20,000 donors which means that the hemophiliacs are at a much higher risk of infection from any disease that's carried in the blood. <laughs> and while some of the Canadian medical establishment poo-poo the potential danger, and at times emphatically so, there are other establishment figures and laypeople who know better, including a mother played by Sarah Wayne Callies of the Walking Dead Colony and Prison Break fame, whose son has hemophilia. When she reads a newspaper article that announces new findings from the U.S. regarding AIDS, she puts two and two together and decides that she wants her son off of the new hemophilia drug. She wants her son put back on the old drug despite its lesser efficacy. And her husband, who works at the Department of Public Health, agrees. And with that, Unspeakable shuttles back and forth from story to story, tracking the goings-on in the Canadian medical establishment and the struggles of different hemophiliacs in the face of a looming tragedy. And while it doesn't start off on the most promising of notes, it also doesn't take too long for this miniseries to find slightly better footing. Plus, I think that it's well-served by its episodic structure and quick cuts from scene to scene, which amps up the urgency without going all the way overboard despite its tendency toward dramatic histrionics, and which helps to tamp down the sting of some of the stilted writing. And so based on the first two episodes, it looks like Unspeakable is going to do a fairly good job of telling an important story that's all too real. And I think that fans of procedurals will think that it's just fine, along with fans of dramas that focus on overlooked parts of medical history, especially if they like to toggle between soap opera and straightforward storytelling. For me, this show's straightforwardness is much more successful overall, even when it teaches a bit too much at the expense of developing its characters and story. Regardless, just don't be, just, well, don't expect to be wowed. Dramatic histrionics. 
Histrionic. H-I-S-T-R-I-O-N-I-C. Overly theatrical or melodramatic in character or style. Moving on to Cinemax. <laughs> there is a new show called Warrior. Ugh. Based on a very familiar... Uh, listen, there's no one more reverend, revered than Bruce Lee in the uh, martial arts world. Well, he wrote, and Warrior's coming out of it. It's about 10 episodes. On Cinemax. Now, mm, what's this about? Is this... Are they scrapping for Bruce Lee resurrecting? I, what, what's going on here? <laughs> well, like you said, yeah, it's based on his writings. And uh, it's set during the brutal Tong Wars in San Francisco's Chinatown. And it begins in 1878 <clears throat> and follows Assam a martial arts prodigy who immigrates from China to San Francisco under mysterious circumstances. And after proving his worth as a fighter, he becomes a hatchet man for the Hop Way, one of Chinatown's most powerful organized crime families, which are called Tongs. In addition, he eventually, though begrudgingly, befriends Wang Chao, who's a fixer and profiteer, and is taken under the wing of Young Jun, the hard-partying son of the Hotways leader, Father Jun, who's facing an imminent opium war with a rival Tong. But that's not all, because as Assam becomes acquainted with the rules of Chinatown gang, he also wins the confidence of canny brothel madam Ah Toy, who's not to be messed with, revealing to her the true intentions of his journey to America. And so, over the course of the season, Assam crosses boundaries both inside and outside Chinatown, bringing him into contact with two rivals, Mai Ling, a beautiful and ruthless woman who has achieved a position of power in one of the Tongs and who's connected to him in a secret way, and Li Yang, a Tong lieutenant and Kung Fu master. Plus, in response to all of the violence caused by the Tong Wars, Sergeant Big Bill O'Hara and rookie cop Richard Henry Lee, who's a transplanted Southerner, which doesn't ingratiate him with his fellow coppers. They're tasked with forming a Chinatown squad. Meanwhile, racist Irish working class leader and tough Dylan Leary throws down on behalf of all Irish laborers by trying to inflict as much damage as possible on the Chinese immigrants whom he says are stealing their jobs. And amidst it all, power-hungry and devious San Francisco Mayor Samuel Blake and Deputy Mayor Walter Buckley, who has his own political aspirations, engage in widespread corruption, even as the mayor's new young wife, Penny, discovers that she's trapped in a loveless marriage. But don't let that fool you. She's not afraid to speak her mind. And now it's time for me to speak mine. Please. Now look, y'all, this is what I call fine Friday night TV. The writing and acting, you're passable, which means that things can get clunky, but it's not outright embarrassing. Also, when no one's fighting, a lot of it's just grandstanding and smack talking anyway, which doesn't bother me much, especially since Warrior is supposed to be a showcase for fighting. So let's talk about that. Now look, the fight scenes are pretty good. But are they on the level of something like uh, the Ip Man film series, which focuses on Bruce Lee's teacher? No. 
but this is TV. However, there needs to be a little more of it. I mean, look, if your budget doesn't allow for more on longer fight scenes, then you might need a higher standard of writing, just saying. Even still, I do like that Assam's smart, alecky sense of humor incites violence, and you can tell that they're having some fun with it. Also, the scenes in the pilot didn't last too long, which made it easier to overlook some of the flaws. Plus, they treat subtitles a la Vikings, which means that you have to read them just long enough to establish that the characters aren't speaking in English, and then they switch to doing just that. So while the loss of consistent subtitling takes away some of the mystery and authenticity, the trade-off is less reading, and as a result, you'll be able to see more of what's going on, which is highlighted by varied camera work that helps to keep things more interesting than they otherwise would be. In addition, the overall aesthetic is similar to what you'd find in period pieces of a darker sort, such as The Age of Innocence, The Nick, and The Alienist. So, the success of Warrior will ultimately depend on how well it balances its dialogue and its fighting. And based on the pilot, I think they'll do that just well enough to keep genre fans watching. Again. Histrionic. (laughs) (laughs) We love teaching you here at Why Watch That. Let's move on to season premieres. Now, these have been around and now they're coming back around like The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, 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 the witch. Uh, this is back on Netflix. It's already renewed for, uh, I mean, what do you, come on. Yeah. Like seasons 55. We're going to say there's going to be 55 seasons. Sabrina, the old woman, it's going to end. It's the second half. Um, this is the rejuvenation of Sabrina the Witch that was on, what was that on? Was it on, it was on some channel? But you probably have heard of it. Um, and you've probably, if you live anywhere in LA, have seen the signs. So, are we happy about Sabrina's return, or shall we just move on? Hmm. <laughs> well, like you said, look, Netflix is in on it, and for Netflix to take your show beyond three seasons, everybody, I'll just tell you, that is significant because of how they typically structure their deals. So if you're ever watching something on Netflix and go, hey, why didn't it come back? I don't get it. It might be the deal. Now, look, it looks like Sabrina, after giving her soul to the Dark Lord, i.e. Satan, is finally embracing her witchy half. She's decided to forego regular high school with her friends to go to witch school, a.k.a. the Academy of the Unseen Arts, full-time. After all, her friends are better off without her, and she's better off without them, right? Now, this pleases her witchier aunt, Zelda, who's now a new teacher at the academy, but it displeases her kinder aunt, Hilda, whose kindness shouldn't be mistaken for weakness. Her cousin is also a fixture at the academy now after being freed from having to stay at home for safety reasons. But nothing is ever as it seems, of course, because after Sabrina decides to compete to become the first female top boy at the academy, she becomes the target of a trio of demon kings. Nope. But who could have summoned them and why? I mean, the Dark Lord himself has his goat eyes fixed on her because she's so important to him. So who would dare go against that? Also, Sabrina's friends, including her now ex-boyfriend, mm-hmm, are reluctantly trying to move on without her. But how long do you think that will last? And at their high school, their former teacher, who's also the everlasting servant of the Dark Lord, is now the principal 
So what role will she continue to play? In the end, the consequences of Sabrina's currently unknown yet world-altering destiny will keep her in perpetual danger. And she'll have to decide just how far she's willing to go to keep herself, her friends, and her family safe. Is there any way for her to escape the Dark Lord Quackens? Or could there be something that's even worse? Hmm. All right, so here's the deal. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is best when it's focused on the conflicts and dangers that arise from Sabrina's dual identity as a human and a witch. And when its events are centered around the academy, witchcraft, and the like, it's pretty enjoyable. Comparatively, the storylines that focus on her friends, especially in her absence, just don't have enough spark. They feel way too much like any other teen drama, and the way they handle contemporary themes is too obvious. And this is such a shame because every now and then, they do throw in a little twist on that genre or poke a little bit of fun at it. And you know what? I think more of that kind of spirit would do this show some good. Actually, they can have a lot more fun with this story in general. Look, since they're not going to go all the way into darkness and terror, why not up the ridiculousness? After all, there are hints of it. Just take a look and a listen to the Dark Lord. It's ridiculous. But they just don't seem to be fully committed. And that's why Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is stuck being a pretty good show that can be interesting one moment and predictable the next, instead of being consistent fun, if only... They had a spinoff series featuring Lucy Davis as Sabrina's Aunt Hilda. Now that would be something. Will not be watching. I think we should move on to The Tick. Oh, I love the show. It is Season one was so awesome. Remember, The Tick was the... Uh, the Tick. <laughs> Superhero. It's a tick. It's a man dressed as a tick. I'm sure the critic will will catch us up to speed, but it's on Amazon. It's here for season two. Remember last season they split it up, so it was kind of frustrating because it was so good. I wanted more, but now all 10 episodes are for you and me. The question is, is season two as good as season one? Hmm. Well, after defeating his nemesis, the terror... <laughs> Played by... <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't know, you'll find out. Uh, but anyway, so after defeating him, <laughs> mm-hmm. Arthur is having nightmares about the entire experience. But instead of running away from his destiny this time, he's ready to move forward. And the tick is all for it. It's time for Arthur to start following the hero's way. Aye. But let's not get carried away. Arthur still has to go to work. <laughs> he's not made of money. I mean, it's not like he's Bruce Wayne. But can he have it both ways? After all, everybody knows who he is now. <clears throat> also, what does following the hero's way mean exactly? Well, among other things, it means that it's time for Arthur to train his mind and body in the way of the tick, which can't be promising, and learn how to use that suit of his once and for all instead of fumbling around like an idiot. Mm. And he'll need to do that quickly because vanquishing villains that's like playing whack-a-mole one goes down another pops up and in particular supervillain miss lint is still on the prowl (laughs) and she's ready to claim what's hers Mm -hmm. and so when aegis the agency in charge of maintaining a force of superheroes to protect the nation which author is in the picks ally overkill along with his boat and author admirer danger boat (laughs) (laughs) they're hiding from, by the way. Well, 
Aegis recruits Arthur and the Tick. So the question is this though. Well, first of all, will they qualify to join the force, which might lead to a big old complication? But then regardless of that, and more importantly, well, Arthur, who really needs to come up with a superhero name, I mean, come on, and the Tick, who still can't remember his origin story, oh. and Overkill, who's still super, super serious, husky voice and all, and Superion, whose popularity is taking a hit, which is oh so devastating, and Arthur's sister, Dot, who's itching for a fight and undergoing mysterious changes, and who has something going on with Overkill, and plenty of new superheroes, including the ridiculously laid back and experienced Flexon, and Sage, the supernumerary, whose Doctor Strange-like powers come from his third nipple, along with Kevin, <laughs> the dude with the tinfoil hat. Will they all be able to stop Miss Lint, along with plenty of new supervillains, including Lopsterculees, and some dude named the Duke, who are all what trying to become the, the next the Terror? What about the dog? <laughs> the dog is gone. Oh. Now, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? But they better be careful because Miss Lint has a devious and unexpected plan in the works that they don't see coming. However, there might be surprises in store for her as well. And ultimately for everybody, the real danger just might come from within. Dun, dun, dun. And so season two of The Tick continues in the tradition of season one. It still pokes inappropriate fun at all things superheroes from the Avengers to Batman and Superman, including the relationships that superheroes have with themselves and with others, like the loving bonds between a man and a boat. <laughs> it still chronicles the misunderstandings and misadventures of the tick, despite author's protestations. It's still amusing enough and brisk enough and clever enough, and nothing here is sacred. So if you liked season one, then The Tick's second season should once again provide the ridiculous palate cleanser that you need. And what's great about it is that you can watch it whenever the mood hits you. So no need to rush it unless you want to. Plus, unlike Shazam, you don't have to go out and pay to see it. Ah, uh, well, Killing Eve, you will have to pay to see this if you don't have AMC because their app won't let you binge, which is a true shame. It's also on BBC America. It's in its second season. Now, we know that Miss Sandra Oh did very well in the award seasons. Um, she also just hosted SNL to get us to get our uh, juices flowing towards the second season. Now, where is she at now? Mm. Mm. This mysterious detective? <laughs> <laughs> well said. Now, look. After all kinds of cat and mouse theatrics and a strange mutual obsession that played out before our eyes, Canadian-born former MI5 officer Eve, unexpectedly, though understandably, stabbed psychopathic Russian assassin Villanelle at the end of season one of Killing Eve. And now, at the beginning of season two, things pick up a mere 30 seconds later. Villanelle, bleeding from a potentially mortal wound has disappeared. And Eve has no idea of what to do about it. Unlike us, she doesn't even know whether Villanelle is alive or dead. Plus, after being a part of an off-the-books group led by MI6 Russia Section Chief Carolyn Martins that was tasked with stopping Villanelle's murderous rampage, Eve was kicked out of the group. So, she can't reach out to them for help 
she's got to lie through her teeth instead. But in light of recent events, is Eve still fired? Because there might be a new mystery that she's perfectly suited to solve, and Carolyn's not above using or misusing people to serve her own interests. Or maybe it's all a ruse. After all, we can't trust Carolyn, and the same goes for Eve. But what about Villanelle? Well, she just might understand Eve better than Eve understands herself. However, Villanelle has much more than Eve to worry about. There are other assassins after her, remember? Even still, she just can't seem to get Eve out of her mind. So you know what she must do next, right? And with that, Killing Eve continues on its entertainingly bonkers path, highlighted by its idiosyncratic blend of characters, music, sharp edits, and varied camera angles and movements. And it's still led by Sandra Oh as Eve, oh yes, and Jodie Cummer as Villanelle, who give performances that fit its humorously devious, yet flirtatiously serious aesthetic and tone to a T. There's a freedom to their performances that makes those performances seem much easier to pull off than they actually are. And they're having fun, which allows us to have fun and is in contrast to the violence and sadistic personalities on display. Also, as their main supporting character, Fiona Shaw as Carolyn matches them and is just as good as she's always been. And so in the midst of all of that, and in the midst of all of the praise for Killing Eve, you might be thinking, hmm, this show must be amazing, right? Well, I wouldn't go that far. It's just good, even very good entertainment that comes from a refreshingly odd perspective. And we certainly need more of that in the world, right? Well, well, well. We learned a new word and we also learned <laughs> that there are new shows that we could be watching, yet who has the time? Mm. You're gonna have to make the time. We're doing the work for you. All you have to do is choose. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.